Hi, folks. Welcome to episode two of BC Wheelchair Sports' Limb Loss Awareness Month series. I'm your host, Nate. Uh, today, we have a very special guest uh, coming to us all the way from Calgary, uh, two-time Paralympian, uh, wheelchair rugby superstar, and owner of one of the best beers in wheelchair rugby, Zach Medell. Oh, thanks. How's it going, Zach? Thanks for having me. Oh, it's going well. It's pretty, pretty good. I mean, as well as can be expected during these COVID times, anyways. Yeah. So, I gotta ask who was on uh, episode one of Limb Loss Awareness. Episode one was actually uh, one of our tennis players, uh, Barry Henderson. Uh, he's, okay. on, he's part of the National Wheelchair Tennis Program. Uh, he's a single leg amputee, um, and he's been involved in tennis for about five years. Give us a really good first episode, uh, and today we're switching to talk about rugby. Um, now, for those of you who don't know, um, Zach's been quite involved in wheelchair sports um, for the past decade or so. He's played a number of different sports, uh, sledge hockey, basketball, rugby, and, and I know you actually tried tennis, when was it, last year, two years ago? Uh, two oh, years ago. I was still in college when I was playing that. So I've actually, I don't know, I played against Barry, but we had some uh, training together where we smacked some balls back and forth. So we crossed paths a few times. So, Zach, can you just uh, tell our audience at home who don't know you as well as I do, uh, kind of how you got involved in wheelchair sports um, and how, how you eventually found rugby? Yeah, so it all started 2004. I uh, had my fingers and legs amputated due to a staph infection. So early on in the hospital for the first like two years, pretty much every day on and off for physio and bandage changes and whatnot. And then as soon as I was healthy enough, the physio and my parents decided I should get involved in sport. It was a huge part of my life before my amputations. So why not continue to play whatever sports I can afterwards and have some sort of normalcy in my life still? And uh, so I started off in sledge hockey, I want to say 2006. So it was still a couple of years after my amputations when I was healthy enough and fit enough to uh, get out and moving. And tried sledge hockey, played for a few years. It wasn't ideal because I had to duct tape the sticks onto my hands with the lack of uh, hand function and fingers. So that lasted for maybe two years before I moved on to wheelchair basketball. So like 2008, 2009, probably uh, competed in the 2011 Halifax uh, Canada Games and then around that time is what I found rugby so I went to my first rugby tournament in February 2011 uh, February or Kevin or the head coach of the national team at the time was there and they invited me to national tryouts the following month so a month after starting rugby I was at tryouts in Vancouver made a national team the day before my 17th birthday and uh I haven't really looked back since. Took a little break to go to college there after the 2016 Paralympics. Now we're back at it and prepping for Tokyo. Yeah. So you had a pretty quick rise, um, you know, when you when you switched over to rugby, obviously. Uh, how much did your experience in, in basketball and sledge hockey kind of help in that transition? I think just the fact that I'd been active and fairly fit when I came into the rugby community helped quite a bit. I mean, I know not just anybody can show up and walk onto a national team. You need to be physically in shape and kind of know what's going on. So I didn't know what was going on at that point, but at least there are some similarities to the other sports as far as like spacing with team sports and the ball skills and chair skills definitely carry over. Yeah. And, and for the, for the few people that are watching this who don't have any previous exposure to wheelchair rugby, uh, an interesting part about that sport is that in order to be eligible to play wheelchair rugby, you have to have uh, impairment in at least three of your limbs. So both your upper 
um, and lower limbs, uh, which is why it's a really great sport um, for someone like Zach who has no fingers. And a lot of people might think wouldn't necessarily be able to push a chair very fast. I can tell you from, from watching Zach many times that that is the furthest thing from the truth possible. Uh, I know in football, they talk about 40, 40 yard dash speeds and wheelchair rugby. We use 20 meter speeds a lot. I'm pretty sure your 20 is sub five at this point. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been working on my backwards ones as well these days. We've been doing some time trials with those. Yeah. So um, that's just a show. There's a lot of like really interesting ways to kind of adapt um, and get involved in, in wheelchair sports, regardless of, uh, of where your amputation might be. Um, but just kind of to flip this script a bit there, what was it like for you um, as one of the few amputees who play rugby in Canada entering a quote unquote quad sport? It was a little unusual at first, just because my style of play ends up being so different than your typical, your traditional spinal cord injuries that were involved in Canada. So kind of figuring out my role on the team and how I wanted to like help out the team and fit in there made things a little bit different. I'm more of a put the ball on my lap and push past people than a, a passing type of player, especially early on. I mean, that's something I've worked on over the years to try and uh, mitigate my weaknesses and make sure that I do have a stronger passing game these days so that, I mean, teams catch on to your tendencies and if they know you're going to push with it and you get stopped and every time you throw the ball, it's turnover. That's something you need to uh, prepare for. So yeah. we've come a long way since 2011. Even looking back at like the 2012 Paralympic Games, I watched footage of myself and it's clear that I have hardly any idea what's going on out there on the court. So, I mean, I was only a year and a half into playing rugby and had this pressure on the biggest stage in the world. And there's just some young goofy kid out there smiling, having fun and not a, a clue what he was doing, but seemed to do all right. Yeah. And how were, how were your teammates, especially in those early days, as far as kind of helping you learn the game and get adjusted to that culture, especially as, as a younger individual. Um, I know that's a big thing because in, in rugby right now, we don't really have junior programs. So when we have younger players, they're kind of put into that adult environment straight away. Um, did you have really supportive teammates? Yeah, it was huge back then. I mean, I was probably 10 years younger than the next youngest player on the team at that time. But there was no animosity or anything that I was the new guy or the young guy. Everyone was like super supportive, helped me to learn the game as quickly as possible, kind of took me under their wing. And so I had a, no bad experiences with the teammates back then. And uh, just really a great group of guys that I still look up to and are some of them are still on the team mentoring myself and now the, the next generation of players that are on Team Canada. Cool. All right. That's really sweet. Um, now going off of that a bit um, now, now when you went into rugby, obviously you had the speed straight away. So you're able to dominate a bit with that. Um, and you said that passing was a little bit of a challenge, but how, how long did it take you to kind of um, when you first got involved in, in wheelchair sports or rugby to kind of learn the best ways to pass and catch and do all those things um, considering what some of your physical limitations might've, might've been. Uh, I think that's something that we're still always working on, but I think that's something that's universal across the sport, considering that pretty much everybody involved in wheelchair rugby has some sort of hand impairment. That's what makes it exciting. I mean, at the end of the day, sometimes it's a pass that you catch 98% of the time, but things happen. We don't have the greatest hand function. So you get balls rolling around on the floor once in a while. And that's, uh, yeah. that's what creates the excitement, I think on the court. And, and what is it about rugby um, in particular that you really enjoy like what made you decide that rugby was your sport so it used to be 
the contact that drew me into it. I grew up being a lacrosse player and loving that contact. And I still do enjoy the aggression in that side of the game, but the camaraderie that's in our community as well, it's so tightly knit. I mean, yeah, you go out there and you're trying to kill one another, but afterwards you go and you can have a beer with just about anybody in the community and get along and have something in common to talk about, which is something that I haven't experienced to this extent in other sports, I think. Cool. All right. That's, that's, uh, I mean, I've experienced that as well. Uh, I'd have to agree with you there um, for the most part. Now, now going on to some, some, I guess, more Team Canada specific questions, because some people uh, sent us a couple. Um, what's your favorite uh, tournament with Team Canada been out of all the experiences that you've had? Favorite tournament? possibly the 2015 Pan American games, just because the fact that we were able to win gold in front of a home crowd that sealed our ticket to uh, the Rio 2016 Paralympics. That was just a really great opportunity and such a great group of guys that everything just kind of came together and clicked when it needed to. And we were able to uh, beat out the U S by just a handful of points in the last couple of minutes of the game. I think we started off down like seven, nothing against them or something terrible as well. So having that come from behind victory is always a uh, makes it extra sweet. Cool. All right. That's a, that's a really, really exciting time. I was actually there in Toronto. Uh, I got to watch that game live and I have to agree in terms of atmosphere, it was one of the coolest um, sporting experiences that I've ever been a part of. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I guess going, going beyond that and talking a bit about um, atmospheres and things, um, where would you like to see wheelchair rugby go in the next kind of five, 10 years Wherever we can. I mean, we're seeing the sport grow so much in the last 10 years that if we can continue at this rate, I mean, we've had great support from the media to get some exposure out there. And I've never met somebody that's watched wheelchair rugby and gone like, oh, this isn't really for me. Like, I'm not going to watch that. Everyone that watches it gets like super drawn in right away and the contact and the aggression and the speed of it all is just like, it makes for the ideal spectator sport, I think. Yeah. And one of the things, um, obviously, I cover wheelchair rugby pretty extensively. Um, and when I've been talking with different athletes and coaches in the past, I would say two, three years, I've heard a lot of people mention just a desire to like maybe one day see a pro wheelchair rugby league. I know it's something that they have in wheelchair basketball in Europe. Um, and I guess my question for you is if wheelchair rugby went professional and you could play on a pro team and say we're sticking with the rules of rugby. So we're using an eight point lineup. And for those of you who don't know, uh, what I mean when I say that is wheelchair rugby uses a classification system. So everybody is classified um, from 0.5 um, to 3.5 based off their function in terms of how much they can move their arms, hands, and their core. Uh, now, Zach's at the top of the scale. Uh, he's one of the big dogs. He's a 3.5. But yeah, if you were making your ideal wheelchair rugby lineup with three other players out of anyone you've played with or against, who would that be? With myself on it. Ooh. Okay, I'm not going to pick Riley because that'll be the obvious one that you want me to pick. Plus, we've got too much of a rivalry. I don't know if we get along on the court. Uh, I'm going to say Jim Roberts, 3.0 from Great Britain, probably one of the top players in Europe. Um, got to take my boy Trevor Hirschfield as my one-pointer, Canadian. Uh, just because him and I have played so many thousands of hours together on the court that we know each other inside out at this point. Who'd be my point five? We're at seven and a half. Yeah, we're at seven and a half. 
I mean, you can also go with a, a female 1.0. You say Johnny Coggin from GB as well. We'll get the old Commonwealth theme together. Okay, that, that's a, pretty, quality that's a pretty, point five. pretty strong lineup. Um, for those of you who are watching this who are are already rugby fans, uh, you're probably salivating at the chance to kind of see that team in action. Uh, I'm having a hard time thinking about what sort of team could actually match that. Um, so that's a really, really interesting uh, proposal there um, going forward. And I guess um, beyond that and – sort of thinking about uh, team building and competition at, at the international level. Um, you, you mentioned having a rivalry with, with Riley um, and, and a bit earlier about the camaraderie. Is there, do you find that there's kind of a, a, a specific camaraderie among the amputees in international wheelchair rugby? Or I definitely think, rivalry yeah, there? there's a special connection because, I mean, all of the quadriplegics have their similar past experiences and stories and things they can relate to each other with. And I feel like with amputees, it's very similar with, I mean, like, prosthetic issues and stories growing up with, like, using artificial limbs that just don't work and growing up trying to play, like, able-bodied sports or whatever it is, or even just hearing about people's stories of how they, they lost their limbs or if they're congenital just growing up and what it was like in that situation. And And... Is there anybody, like, are there any specific athletes or teams in particular um, that you really enjoy, you know, getting the opportunity to play against, uh, whether that's, like, domestically here in Canada um, or players from other countries when you're on the international stage? I think even though I say there's that rivalry between myself and Riley, anytime we play Australia, it's a fun one. Like, it's a friendly rivalry, and we go out there, and it's just, like, we take that competition, I think, to the next level and kind of – I don't know, just like really ramp up that, that rivalry and getting to play against other amputees with such similar function. It's kind of fun to see how we match up against one another and see who's who's playing well these days. Cool. And I guess going forward, because I mean, in COVID, so you haven't had any competition in a while, um, but Tokyo Paralympics are, are happening this summer. Um, how are those preparations going for you? Uh, how's training been? As good as can ask for these days. I mean, I'm able to be training at Wind Sports still three days a week, which is an absolute blessing. The fact that we still have access to that and can be uh, getting some high performance training in. I've got some cardio equipment at home to keep myself busy that the team set up for us. So if, uh, when I wasn't allowed to go to Wind Sport, I spent a lot of hours on my rowing urge. So uh, that's been something to make sure I don't pack on too many pounds during this off season. And now that it's getting nice out, I've been able to take the rugby chair outside and go for some nice strolls in the fresh air, which definitely helps. Go get a little sunshine, check out the mountains. And I got a dog to get me out there too. So she needs to get the exercise anyway. So it's a win-win for both of us. Nice. Now, speaking of Paralympics, is there anything about the Paralympic Games um, that you wish other people knew? Ooh. I think just the fact that we put in as much training as the Olympic athletes. I know they see us and we may not be as fast when we're pushing in a wheelchair or running on prosthetic legs, but those athletes are still putting in many more hours. And oftentimes it's after overcoming some sort of adversity or tragedy in their lives that now they've managed to overcome and gone on to do great things within the sporting world and represent their countries. Nice. And I guess um, kind of pivoting back to the, motivation for this series and it's, it's hopefully to get more 
more amputees involved in, in wheelchair sports um, and specifically to break down um, that stigma that the only sports, you know, that you guys can participate in are on prosthetics. Um, do you have any advice um, for a young amp or somebody who might be in a similar situation uh, as to what you were in about 10 years ago, who's considering hopping in a chair for the first time? Yeah, like I say, there's that stigma because I know there's a lot of athletes with amputations who are trying to go out and competing with their able-bodied friends, like hockey players who are missing a hand and need some sort of special prosthetic. And that's great that they're able to do that. But I know getting to that next level, that's an extra level of difficulty they have to overcome when there's wheelchair sports or adaptive sports out there that they could go get involved with and immediately be highly competitive and get to really uh, feel those competitive juices. Sweet. Uh, and now I got a, another question from uh, somebody messaged our Instagram account earlier today, and they were asking me if there was any specific like hit that you really remember. Has there been any major like impact or collision in your career that you're like, man, that was fantastic. I wish I could do that again. So my first time ever playing against Australia, going back to playing against Riley, he'd never really seen me before. And within the first couple of minutes of being on the court, I ended up knocking him over. And uh, I think I kind of caught him off guard. And I was, I was sitting there watching him out there dominating. And the fact that I was able to go out there and give him a good crack and send him tumbling, I was like, okay, I can, uh, can kind of keep up with this guy. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> that's, pretty, that's pretty good. Um, and now we're uh, – you're from Alberta, um, so you're not one of our, our Team BC athletes or BC Wheelchair Sports affiliated folks, but um, we're really grateful that you came on the show. Um, but I have to ask now, uh, because this is a BCWSA show, um, has there been any uh, moments or competitions at the Richmond Olympic Oval um, that really stick out in your mind? It's obviously one of our favorite places to host an event, uh, and I know you've played there a number of times. So does anything anything stick out at the Oval in particular? And every tournament there, I think, is memorable. Just the fact that we have access to such a world-class facility and you guys put on such a great job of organizing the tournaments. I mean, every invitational I've played at, which is, what, probably 10-plus now? 10-ish. I guess the last couple of years have been off. has been run flawlessly. Canada Cup, obviously, is quite an ordeal with international teams coming in and having some uh, – higher maintenance players and teams with extra requirements i mean just the fact that you guys can make it so easy for us we just show up and focus on rugby we don't have to worry about anything else is a we're truly fortunate to have that cool all right now heading into my last few questions uh we're going to talk about domestic rugby a little bit um specifically for the rugby fans who are, are tuning in here now alberta you guys won your first your first national championship uh, at the last nationals, which would have been, I guess, two years ago now. 2019. Yeah, 2019. Um, so how do you feel about, like, Alberta being being back at the summit? Reigning champ for three years in a row. <laughs> We've been joking about that. Every time we're at national camps together, I bug the Ontario guys because they haven't had the opportunity to take back that belt. But Brandon and I are always uh, in their ears and bugging them about it, having some fun with it. Okay. Now it's funny. You mentioned like uh, Brandon and going on it, going at it with your, your teammates and kind of going back and forth with people. Um, how important has like this social um, aspect of rugby and camaraderie been for you, not just as an athlete, um, but as, as a person uh, and as someone who, like you said, you know, you, 
you got your degree, you're, you're looking at yourself kind of going forward in the world. How has that helped you? I think the social side is a big part of why I came back. I mean, I miss the boys on the team, boys and girls, I should say. Uh, when I went to college, sat at a desk for a couple of years, made me realize I wasn't quite ready to sit at a desk for the rest of my life. I wanted to take advantage of this opportunity to to travel and build those connections for a little bit longer before I settle down and focus on a career. All right. Now that's about it for all of my questions. Uh, but now I kind of want to give you time to kind of, if there's anything that you want to say, uh, any message that you want to get out, uh, whether it's around, um, you know, getting more amputees involved in sport or whether it's just about rugby um, and something that you wish, you know, more people knew um, it's, it's kind of your time to shine here. All I can say is if there's anyone sitting at home that are thinking about going out and trying a sport, just don't, I mean, obviously during COVID is tough, but when you get the chance, go out there and do it. There's so many different options. I mean, amputees can be competitive in just about any sport there is. If there's team sports out there, there's individual sports, you could do track, you could do tennis. Um, and really just, yeah, don't be shy to go out there and give it a shot. There's great programs around to make sure that they can, uh, help you out with equipment needs and have chairs there for you to try out or whatever it is. So just go out there, give it a shot. All right. And if you're looking to get involved in wheelchair sports in BC, um, feel free to leave a comment on this video or visit our website at bcwheelchairsports.com. Um, for those of you who are where Zach is out in Alberta, uh, definitely check out wheelchair sports, Alberta um, and their resources. And if you're specifically looking to get involved in rugby um, and you're from outside of BC, um, head over to wheelchairrugby.ca. It's run by Wheelchair Rugby Canada, um, who is responsible for the national team and will be um, all involved in that. And there's a really handy find a club tool um, that'll help you find um, a rugby club in your community and put you in touch with the right places to get involved when programs are able to open up and start running again. Uh, once again, though, thank you to Zach for joining in. Uh, we really appreciate this. Um, best of luck in you know, Tokyo and all that coming up. Uh, is there a way if people want to follow you or stay up to date with things leading into Tokyo um, that they can do that? Any tags? Yeah. That you so it's there? just Zed Madel, I think on pretty much all social medias at this point. I've got Twitter, so Z-M-A-D-E-L-L. -L. I'm on Twitter, Instagram, not on TikTok. Haven't made that jump yet. Um, I've got a Facebook page, just Zach Madel, an athlete page to follow along on, but I'm not as active. But usually my, uh, my Twitter and Instagram is where I try and keep the people up to date on what's going on in the, the wheelchair rugby world. Yeah, keep the people up to date, show them your dog, and uh, give us an insight into training. There's more dog than rugby these days, that's for sure. Awesome. All right, well, thank you, Zach, and uh, have a great day. Yeah, thanks, Nate. Dog, good chatting with you, and we'll, uh, we'll be in touch soon, I'm sure.